Hi, and welcome to Kleinversations, Klein ISD's podcast about all things teaching and learning. I'm Monica Schallenberger, and I'll be the host for each episode, and my guests will be rotating educators from all over our school district. This podcast is for anyone wanting to expand their knowledge about teaching and learning, and hear our conversations about the journey of educators being joyful, reflective, transparent, and deliberate about applying their learning to transform the world. Our guest today comes from the warm world of school counseling. I'm excited for you to hear Megan Blakey and our content today. Prior to becoming a school counselor, Megan taught first grade in Spring ISD and third grade in Klein. This is her 11th year as a school counselor at Benford Elementary, and she absolutely loves her job. A fun fact is that she's also a licensed professional counselor and is a nurtured heart approach advanced trainer. She attended Klein schools growing up and currently has two kids attending school in Klein. I think you're going to enjoy our conversation about building relationships with all stakeholders, how the nurtured heart approach can be applied to students and adults, and how important it is to connect people on campuses. Here's our conversation now. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Conversations. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you are here as we are Twitter friends and now we can be real life friends. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously we talked about your bio before you came on. And so just tell us why you think the counselor role is vital and the student successes on your campus. Sure. Our campuses in general. Yes. Um, so all of our students come to us with a portfolio of experiences of um, who they think they are, um, what people have told them about themselves um, or just different opportunities that they've had. And as counselors, we're really able to learn about each of our students' portfolios and then really work with them to grow their strengths, um, to help them through anything that they may be dealing with, to provide supports. Um, a lot of times, too, I think our students just need somebody to listen to them. And so counselors can provide that non-judgmental listener to hear what's going on and then providing tools um, or coping skills if they need them, um, but also just to reduce some of that internal stress that our students carry around with them. So a lot of times when they come to school, they may be carrying something with them yeah. from that morning or a problem that they're having with a friend and just getting that off their chest and being able to kind of move on with their day, I think helps set them up better for academic success and then social success as they move through their day. So over the course of you being a counselor, because it's been how many years? 11. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of changes. What was that? 2009. I know. Yes. <laughs> Let me do math. <laughs> so it, in the, that whole decade of your mm -hmm. career, what kind of changes have you seen in this position? Mm -hmm. And really the, in connection to like society too, I'm kind of going rogue here. Sure. But um, I know there's probably been some changes in roles and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then just with evolution of social media and things like that, what are some like big trend changes you've seen in that decade? So one of the biggest things I've seen is that the kind of responsibility of social and emotional learning has shifted from being solely on the counselors. When I first started, that was a big part of my role was pushing in, providing character education, um, doing lessons in classes, you know, multiple times a week, hitting a couple grade levels a week. And since then, it's really trended towards that just becoming um, 
being encompassed by all of our teaching. So now teachers are doing a lot of that as part of their regular instruction. Um, Even specialists and leadership team meetings that we have are focused on that character education piece. How can we build our students up? How can we support them in goal setting? How can we teach them about respect? So it's really shifted to being more of a school-wide focus, whereas when I first started, it felt like the counselor role was more solely responsible for that. that's super interesting. And Um, that whole child focus. Yes. I feel like there's a lot more. Yes. So that's been a big thing, um, especially with being on Twitter. It's just that's really at the forefront of conversation Mm -hmm. so that it used to not be. It used to be much more academic based. um, And now people across the board are seeing that connection between academics and social emotional learning, you know, having our students be built up and know who they are and be able to have good character is a big part of them also doing well in their academic work. Yeah. And it's so tied to cultural responsiveness because mm-hmm. of who the kid is, where they come from, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Twitter and obviously <laughs> we only know of each other because of our um, presence on that social media platform, which is yes. really cool because yes. um, I like a lot of the content that you have, but obviously you're a forever learner. So tell us where that insatiable desire to learn comes from and how it affects you and your role and really just in life. Sure. So I would say that I have a natural curiosity to learn. I enjoyed school, went back a couple of times, um, still would go back again if I could. Um, And so I'm always wanting to learn new things, not just for myself, but also to be able to see things from other people's viewpoints. And so Twitter really provides that outlet for me to continue learning. Mm -hmm. People are always posting articles to read, um, their opinion on things, activities to do. And so when you go on there as a professional, you can just kind of soak all of that in. And some of it, you may just say, no, that's not for me, or that's not really relevant to what I'm working on right now. But then other things I take, and then I can share that with other people. Um, I can change something that I'm doing and reflect on my own practices Mm -hmm. with what people are saying. Um, And now I feel like, too, just following some people either outside of education or that are in education but have different viewpoints, that helps me kind of push my own envelope of thinking and think, okay, how can I see this from a different perspective? Or how would that impact our students or our staff if we, you know, did this in a different way? I think what I like about Twitter so much, and obviously there's so many social media, that's just social media platforms, but I like that it's just a quick way to learn. You know, it's not like you're sifting, I mean, you are kind of sifting through it. It's just so hard to explain, but I feel like it's a connector to information Mm -hmm. because there's so much content Mm -hmm. out there. And I love when people post this incredible article and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so applicable. But then I'm like, I would have never seen this if I Mm -hmm. wasn't on here. Mm -hmm. And then like you're saying, you can get in this rabbit hole of like, follow, 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 follow. And then sometimes too, I'll be like, delete, 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 because this is taking a turn for a different look. Um, And I remember when I first got on, it it was such a different a different purpose mm-hmm. of being on it. And now it's just really shifted to profession, more professional for me right. as well. When I first joined, it was at a um, visible learning conference and you got a reward if they, you know, posted your tweet. <laughs> and so that's why I initially got on, but it has become so much more. And um, just in talking about connections, I've been able to jump on an Iowa ed chat, you know, every yeah. Sunday they hold this chat from Iowa um, I'm like the lone Texas person. I think there's a couple other Texas people that jump on every now and then. But I just think that that's amazing that you can be conversing with educators from around the world on that platform. And so really kind of modeling that growth mindset that we want from our students that we can be doing that ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. Did you win anything at that Visible Learning Conference? I did win something. Did I you? It was a Starbucks card. Oh, my gosh. Which congratulations. Is why I did it. You know, the Houston Rodeo, have you been before? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you live in Houston. 
they do that whole Twitter thing. I'm like, are they going to put her? T-? And they never put her tweet. Oh, I'm like, I never yeah. win these Twitter conversations. Okay. So one of your passions is for building relationships with all of our school community and mm-hmm. stakeholders. So mm-hmm. just in your experience, especially for, through the counselor lens, mm-hmm. what are the best ways in your opinion to achieve this type of culture and, and talking about content from Twitter in different ways when you're really searching for that kind of Sure. Um, passionate content. So I think we just have to be um, available and open to listening to what other people have to share, but also um, like seeking out those needs. So we're not going to know about things that people may need or resources that may support them if we're not having those conversations with people in the community. Um, we partner with you know a church in the area. We have other groups that have come alongside us. Um, so I always work to reach out to them to say, here's a need. Is this something you guys could help with? Um, at the same time, it's that building relationships with families where they get to build a relationship with you and feel comfortable saying, okay, this is a need that we have. Yeah. We're going through this right now. You know, what would you recommend? And so um, being, again, that non-judgmental listening ear to them and then being able to connect them to a resource, um, but just being open-minded about what those resources are and, um just being kind and optimistic yeah. about moving forward and using those resources um, is really something that has I feel very passionate about because there are people who need things. We mm-hmm. all need things. And so there's no shame in asking for help or having somebody come alongside you and help you. And so when you can merge those two worlds of people who want to do the helping and people who need help, it's really beautiful because then people are getting what they need. And then they're going to thrive and do better in their own lives due to that connection. And it's funny because I think still some people think school is for learning. And there's Mm -hmm. just so many more facets to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to you answer this question. I'm thinking like this, this perspective can be applied to the teaching position. It can be applied to the administrator position, instructional Mm -hmm. specialist. I mean, isn't that what we should be doing is like seeking out the needs of our students in the Mm -hmm. classroom, reaching out to them, Mm -hmm. involving parents, but really just having a kind and optimistic customer service feeling towards Mm -hmm. everyone you come and encounter with, Mm -hmm. which is why I like to listen to a lot of business um, podcasts and look at that kind of content, because I think they're onto something about customer acquisition. Like obviously people don't have a choice to go to school, Mm -hmm. but we should still treat them like they are our top customer. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know it's a little bit different than Zappos.com, but I mean, (laughs) but the experience should still be phenomenal. I mean, there's been 12 years in our system Mm -hmm. and like, we want them to have that positive. Exactly. And working, especially in the elementary, we're really setting the foundation for that. And so we want our students and their families to come in and feel welcomed and supported and loved and cared for, and then to grow them academically, but also help prepare them for those next steps. Um, But the only way we do that is by kind of pushing out. And sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zones to do that. And by being available to see them and and to meet with them and have conversations with them. Um, You just never know what little conversation or little meeting may lead to something really important. Well, and I think back to being a campus administrator because unfortunately that position, sometimes you do have those heated parent conversations and I'm Mm -hmm. sure as a counselor, you would get those same things and even as teachers, Mm -hmm. but they come a little more when you're dealing with discipline challenges And I remember at first I kind of dreaded them depending on it, you know, what the content was. And then after becoming a parent, my, my lens kind of shifted and it turned into like, 
when parents maybe that weren't heated that would calm. Like, I'm sorry, I'm bringing this up, but I have to. I'm like, don't apologize. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your child. Like, Absolutely. you should be calling. Right. I'll get to the bottom of it. I might not mm-hmm. say like this is what's happening or what you think is happening. Maybe I will agree, but either way, like, please don't apologize. Like, mm-hmm. we will help you, whatever it is. And right. so, it makes me think of the quote: "Success um, is never usually due just to one thing, but failure can be." Yes. So it just takes like one poor interaction or mm-hmm. one poor experience, especially in elementary, and it mm-hmm. can just taint a kid's experience mm-hmm. the rest of their right their schooling and it just stresses me out to think about it I'm like <laughs> you know and if people we're all human we're dealing with humans so it's right. going to happen but right. I think the more you show up you know willing to work and ready to help and ready to support the the more people feel that so it's really yeah. you know it is a lot of the things that you're doing but it's also the feeling that people get when they're around you so when you are giving out that um love and grace mm-hmm. and compassion and understanding. Yes, sometimes you have to draw those clear boundaries on things or maybe tell people things that they don't want to hear. But there's a difference between doing that in maybe an ugly way versus, and in love. right, versus, you know, kind of a matter of fact way. And, you know, we're here to support you. So. And I think of this article and I can't remember if it was in Forbes or not, but it was, it said, I think I've talked about it actually on the podcast before, when you help others, it makes you like them more. Mm-hmm. Like if you're consistently helping the same person, you think of the other way around, the person who's asking for help would like the person who's helping them. But it's right. when you help others, you actually like the people, mm-hmm. you're more drawn to them, you're the, to the people that you're serving. I just thought that was really interesting because it's opposite of what you usually think. Yes. Um, so speaking of just building relationships and pouring into that, you're really uh, big about the nurtured heart approach um, and staying focused on like what's going right. So tell us a little bit more about that. Not everybody knows about that. I sure. thought capturing kids' hearts, which is the secondary one, yes. and nurturing hearts was just kind of known. And then I talked to some friends in other districts across the state and they're like, what is that? I'm like, mm-hmm. what? This, you have to know that this is, this is great. So <laughs> tell us a little bit more. Sure. So it's an approach that really helps you be mindful of your own energy. So a lot of it is um, based on the premise that, you know, what are we giving our energy to and are we energizing things that we don't really want to see versus energizing what we do? And so in a school setting, what that might look like is, you know, we want to teach children respect and integrity and discipline. And so when they're, let's say they're in the hallway, elementary example, and they're supposed to be walking quietly in line and there's, you know, one kid kind of messing around or talking too much. um, And you might tell that kid, I need you to stop. You're not being respectful. So in comes maybe what we're used to, which would be like a lecture or getting onto them. Lots of energy going to that one student who's doing that one thing. Whereas then you have the rest of your class who's in line doing the right thing, walking quietly. So you're going to use your energy then to energize what's going right. So you're going to say, I see Samantha and Madison walking quietly in the hallway. You have your hands to your side. You're being so respectful. Listen to how quiet you are. You're walking in the hallway. You're being respectful of the classes. You're showing your integrity. Look, I wasn't even watching just a minute ago and you're all doing the right thing. So it's pushing in in those times that sometimes we gloss over with our students, um, but also with ourselves, just being able to kind of celebrate our own things that are going right. And, um, you know, just even getting up in the morning, you got up this morning, you got dressed, you made it to work. Those are things that we just tend to take for granted. And so it's really switching that mindset to see all the things that are going right and putting our energy into that. Which can be applied to adults too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying, I hear and I've heard before, like, 
it's kind of like if someone sends a school-wide email, like everyone needs to make sure you're doing this and it only applies to three of the uh-huh. 80 staff members, right. then there's this, well, I am doing it. Lots of talking negative to me? energy. Yes. And so instead of it's like, <laughs> thank you guys so much for the people who are showing up at their right. contract time at right. 7, 10 or whatever the, the thing is. So exactly. I had a mentor tell me that once. I'm like, okay, good to know. Yes. And also just a a big part of the approach, I think, you know, because it's called Nurtured Heart, people think it's really um, soft and, you know, there's no consequences and things like that. And really, you still are giving consequences. We still follow the student code of conduct. You know, our students still probably have similar consequences to other campuses, but we just don't energize it. So if a student does need to come up to the front office, you know, they're there kind of on their own working on what they need to do. And then when it's time to go back, then we're going to talk to them about what are you ready to show when you go back? So um, still following the same procedures that everybody else would follow um, or that I would generally think they would follow, but it's just really what are you energizing and what are you looking for? One of the concepts in the approach is um, what could be happening that isn't. So, um, you know, if you're running late, but you didn't spill coffee on your lap, then you can be thankful that your clothes are still ready to go and you can walk into work and, and be ready. And so, it's really a whole like mindset shift. Um, and I do use it a lot just as an adult or even in working with other adults. Or even your own family, I'm sure, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We do work on that in our house as well. <laughs> I bet your family's like super zen. Like, okay, this is well, going Well, no, right. we have our moments, but that's the beauty of it is that then we, you know, we can reset, which is a word that you use in the approach and, you know, get back on track. So <laughs> which, when we do have our moments, we'll take a reset, maybe long, maybe short, depending on what's going on. And then, you know, we can move back into that next moment without being feeling super guilty about what happened before. So instead of kind of beating myself up for maybe yelling or being frustrated, I can just say, okay, well, here's a new opportunity. So now I see that my child is helping with the dishes and now I can push in and say, hey, I really appreciate you doing that, you know, and then follow up back with them afterwards when we've all kind of, you know, calmed down and say, hey, let's talk about what happened earlier. I love the grace and the whole thing. Uh-huh. It's like just showing yourself forgiveness and it's like we're all human. Right. And I think it's so good for a school climate because yes. there's so many moments in, of the relationship that you have with every one of your students, whether whatever position you have. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking back to the classroom. It's like if you keep it. And I think secondary because that's where I came from. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know, you know, early in my career, I might have a more difficult first period and it would get me worked up. And by second period, I was a little cranky. And then the longer my career went, I'm like, why am I, why am I getting, why am I letting this roll over from one period? to the, That's not mm-hmm. fair. These kids haven't seen me the whole day. Right. And it was so refreshing for me to stop stressing about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to let it go. First period's over now and I'm going to move on to second period. But it definitely took time because it's not a natural skill. Right. None of these things are natural. I mean, probably for people like you, but well, but, it's taken time, yeah. you know, and so it, it does take time to get used to doing those things. Yeah. Um, but I think once you know about it and you see how it works with kids, then you just can't go back. Mm-hmm. And so now because we've been implementing that, you know, on our campus and in our house and because I use it for myself also, although I still can fall back on yeah. my natural ways of doing things, um, I just can't stay there anymore yeah. because I know that there is a different way and a way that makes me feel better as a person that helps the people around me feel better. Um, and really it's about like building up our, our inner wealth, you know, the things that we know that are great about us and great about our students and sharing that with them. I feel like this could also be a self-care <laughs> podcast episode for 100%. teachers and adults and parents, yes. because everything you're saying, like, I know we're talking about children and like this really is the elementary approach. And there's also a secondary approach that I'm sure still has, it has the same parallels. 
um, which I know one of them is like having ownership in the classroom. I remember when I became an administrator at the intermediate level, I got to see that a lot more than I did at the high school. I'm not sure. I see a ton of teachers at the high school level using Capturing Kids Heart, but it was having the kids have ownership in like the mm-hmm. rules of the classroom and like, mm-hmm. and they had the contracts on the wall and it just right. was so visible that like, Hey, this isn't my classroom as a teacher. It's our classroom. Mm-hmm. And it's so different than what we grew up as. Like, I don't yes. remember a lot of teachers that did that. And that's mm-hmm. not a knock towards my teachers. I loved my teachers. I can right. still name the ones that made an impact, but it's definitely a shift. Like you were talking earlier, like whole child and let's look at the bigger picture instead mm-hmm. of I'm the teacher and this is my classroom, et cetera. So um, I love it. I'm like, I feel like this needs to all be applied to uh, <laughs> self-help. Yes, it really, um, I mean, when you first learn about it, of course, I was looking through it or looking at it through an educational lens. Um, but the more you start to yeah. use it, the more you see that it applies everywhere, even to the point where, you know, if I'm going through something difficult or challenging, I can take it and reframe it, at least in my mind, to kind of move past it and really like let it go for that moment or to see it in a different light to where I'm not hanging on to that. And so there's a lot of skills that are built in that you can use for yourself um, and really even even teach other people to use for themselves just to kind of like what you were talking about, not to hang on to things as, as the day goes on. I even think about like something minuscule that would drive a lot of people nuts. Like when you call that company that you have an issue with and they're mm-hmm. like, well, let me look it up and they can't find. And it's like, I'm thinking like of a reset that you can right. do even there, like that reset Absolutely. Practice is so good for so many parts of life. So you're just not losing your mind over. Right. Well, and, you know, as adults, we're often resetting, just maybe not (laughs) saying that, but, you know, we're taking a break to, you know, check something on our phone or just to look away for a minute or to get up and walk around. And all those times we're kind of resetting to get ourselves back on track. And so when we offer that to students, it's really an opportunity for them to get back on track because they need those also. They need, you know, breaks and that chance to think about what they're doing and, you know, get back into what they're working on. And I think that would, that helps so much with classroom management too, mm-hmm. like in a direct and non-direct way. I remember towards the end of the teaching part of my career too, I just let them have their phones out, mm-hmm. especially if they were working on something and they wanted to listen to their music. I'm like, you know what? It's not a battle worth fighting, especially if they're more comfortable. If they right. feel like they're not missing an important text message and they're obsessing about it because it's in their backpack and they mm-hmm. can just look at it real quick and move on. As long as you're being responsible with that practice, it just made my classroom so much, I don't know, it just it felt like that freedom gave them almost the permission to learn freely too, because they weren't worried. And that sounds so stupid because it's just a cell phone, but honestly, like our lives are all around right. our cell phones. Well, so. that's a key piece of the approach is having clear boundaries. And so, um, you know, if you're going to allow cell phones out one day, that needs to be what's typically done most days, yeah. of course, you know, unless you're testing or right. something and that's going on, but they would not, but when they know that those boundaries are clear, they're a lot more likely to adhere to them because mm-hmm. if it's wishy-washy or yeah. if it's based on your mood for the day, no. then you're going to get a lot of pushback and, you know, it may be difficult, not just for them, but for you as well to know when to draw that line. You know, it's kind of like when you start taking something away and you're like, well, now you've lost five minutes of TV and 10 minutes and 20 minutes and it just keeps going and it kind of becomes this awful Five years, you're not watching TV. (laughs) Right, but when you know what your boundaries are and you've set up your consequences for those boundaries, then it's not tricky and really it provides kind of a safety net for our students because then they know, okay, these are the expectations when I go into Miss So-and-So's class Mm -hmm. and I know that everybody's going to be held to those same expectations and that's really important for kids to feel like things are... Fair and you know, set up in a way that they know if this happens, 
this will be their consequence or they will have a reward or something will happen for them. Um, so the approach just really helps you kind of line out what are your kind of non-negotiables, mm-hmm. what are your boundaries and rules, and then allows your kids the freedom to work within that. And I think just the nature of our jobs being a people-centered job and relationship-centered job, it can be exhausting some weeks. Absolutely. And I think what helped me specifically is always looking through the lens of like, is this how I'd want to be talked to? Mm -hmm. Is this how I'd want to be? And I wasn't perfect, Mm -hmm. but specifically with coaching, I I wasn't an overly, um, I don't know how to say it. I I didn't scream a whole lot and Mm -hmm. I didn't say things negatively because like screaming doesn't work with your spouse, really. Right. I mean, depends. I guess who your spouse doesn't is. Make anybody feel it better. doesn't. It doesn't work with your sister. It doesn't work with your best friend. So mm-hmm. why am I going to scream and holler at sixteen-year-olds that I'm mm-hmm. coaching? Mm-hmm. Because it just doesn't work. I mean, it's just not the way to communicate right. effectively or properly with people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important to remember if you are in the classroom or you're on campuses or even just working with the adults in your organization. It's mm-hmm. just okay. I'm irritated right now. This is one way that I want to react, and this is another way in which way would I prefer. Right. Is it going to be passive-aggressive, sarcastic, rude, curt, and short? No? Okay, great. Then I need to, like, go out of my human way to go this other route. And that's such a good model for kids, going back to talking about character education in the beginning, because our students feel all those same ways we feel. They feel irritated, frustrated, you know, not wanting to do things. And so when we model for them and we can say – wow, you know, I'm, I'm having a really tough moment or you guys give me a second, I'm going to take a reset and letting them know that it's okay to kind of acknowledge your feelings yeah, and then so take a break and get back on track. So then we're modeling what we want to see also instead of maybe yelling or being frustrated and, you know, lashing out with that, then they see, oh, there's a different way to handle that. And maybe they, no, they haven't seen that before. Right. Maybe you're the first person to show them oh, I can like take a deep breath and take a few minutes and that's okay. I don't have to just be go, 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 and then get frustrated and do something that might get me in trouble. And I just think about too, like the reactions that are normal for people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in our case, if it's a teenager that that just snaps off in front of the whole class, I think a lot of adults and and maybe it's changed um, now, but a lot of adults would be like, what'd you say? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it would kind of be human reaction is to be defensive. Right. And there were a lot of times where I would have a teenager just get a little cranky, mm-hmm. <laughs> like thinking in my head, you've lost your mind. Right. But then I also think, okay, this is a teenager. Mm-hmm. This kid doesn't usually act like this. Right. Something's happened. And I definitely would leave the day feeling much better knowing that I talked to that kid like, hey, like quietly mm-hmm. aside when I'm done teaching or whatever the case was. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Because mm-hmm you were getting kind of cranky back there. And then it turns into like, yeah, I got this detention last period. I don't understand why. And I'm so glad I did not react in that situation of human nature of like, or what did, did I think you just reacted that right. way to me? You know, not to say again, that was perfect, but it made me sure. feel better as a teacher too, because then I know I'm also like taking a chill second, mm-hmm. even that reset second, even in the moment of right. being like, okay, this doesn't seem normal, even though it's completely disrespectful. And obviously we talk about like, okay, in the future, like, Make sure you watch your communication mm-hmm. in our class, but mm-hmm. I can see why you're frustrated. Still right. acknowledging those feelings. Right. Um, Janet Lansbury, I love her communication, um, kids' communication concept. But basically, it's like acknowledging the, um, the feelings first and then going into either consequences or talking about the behavior that wasn't mm-hmm. there. And it's so good to name that, like you're saying, and model that for students so that they know, okay, 
anger is first, but really behind the anger is hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's why I lashed out. And so that's well, me That's me being a wannabe counselor. But. <laughs> that is right on target. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. You are, um, it is good to, to follow up with students and, and kids about how they're feeling and what's going on, but they're not ready for that in that moment. Yeah. So when they are frustrated or angry and they're kind of lashing out, if you push in and say, well, you know, if you would just be more respectful or if you hadn't hollered out, then that's not really going to teach mm-hmm. them. That's not going to help them learn anything from that experience. So when we wait, we give them that time to calm down. Their brains can kind of get back to the normal functioning. Then we can have that conversation and say, okay, we need to follow up about this. And, you know, this happened. So now we need to talk about how we can make up for that. And again, giving grace, because like how many times do you react to something and you're like, whoa, why am I getting so upset about this? And it's a trigger just like it is for kids. And it's like, we need to remember that. And the things I think it's easy to forget too when you see someone every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's a monotony of just having the same setting every single day when you're a teacher. There's not like, you know, a lot of change there. And I think people forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to do that. But right. even with the adults we work with, you know, mm-hmm. it's just got to remember everybody's got their own stuff. So, yes. okay, well, that concludes our content side. So now we're going to get into our favorite things part of our podcast. So, I will ask you um, one favorite thing in education in general right now. Okay. Well, we sort of already touched on that um, earlier in the conversation. It's just really that shift from um, academic base to the whole child focus. That was kind of my reflection about, um, you know, something really good in education right now. I just appreciate that that shift is occurring, um, that people are really talking about all the components of the child being relationship driven. I really love that that's a focus for our district um, because that's really what we're growing. And when our kids leave us, it's not just about what they've learned, but how can they interact with other people and how can they um, be a good employee and can they cooperate and can they empathize and that ultimately when they go out into the world, that's what's going to help them be successful no matter where they land. Okay, so what is one favorite thing in life in general right now? Okay, so I love that we have a little more daylight now. I know that daylight (laughs) savings time has not happened yet, but it's on its way because I was driving the other night at six and I could still see the road. (laughs) And so I love the spring and summertime when it's really sunny and bright and the birds are chirping again and it's just... um, a fun feeling and puts a smile on my face. Yeah. I don't know if people live, what is it, Iceland or Alaska? Or it's like tw- all dark. All dark are the time. It's so depressing. Okay. So what is a favorite book that you have right now? So a favorite book that I have right now is The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Um, when I started reading it, I was just highlighting and underlining and post-it <laughs> noting. Um, it was just right up my alley because he really just puts all the evidence and support to having a positive mindset. And it's not just like this ooey gooey, just be positive all the time, but it's, yes, you're going to face challenges and things are going to come your way, but how you respond to those is going to make a big difference. And so we read that this year as a staff book and um, really just, again, kind of going back to that mindset, shifting your mindset Mm -hmm. into thinking a little bit differently and, keeping that happiness advantage going, um, it really does make a difference. So it's something I've been feeling for a long time. But when I read his book, I thought, oh, thank goodness, there's some scientific evidence. Yeah, and I like that it's not too researchy. Like, you know, sometimes you read it and you're like lost in the jargon. He has a very easy flow to his work. Have you read The Big Potential yet? Not yet. It's on my list. It's so good. You talk about (laughs) highlighting. Uh The chapters are very long for a chapter book, but they're the whole book is so good. It's the same thing. It's all research based mm-hmm. about how you can lift other people's up to be, 
lift other people up to become successful. Mm-hmm. Just so against the grain of what our, you know, what we believe. So anyways, I love it. Good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank I'm you for so having me. happy that we had a counselor on finally. Um, because I think I'm a counselor sometimes. So I love you guys. Um, and Everybody I really appreciate Everybody puts on it. a counselor hat <laughs> here and there in their life. <laughs> Okay, so I forgot to ask you at the beginning to share a celebration from the district in connection to teaching and learning, and that's one of my favorite questions to ask our guests, so I have to add this at the end. Absolutely. Um, So something that's been on my mind lately is um, the pathway opportunities that our students have. Um, It's come up in a couple different ways, but one was just our fifth graders recently got to visit um, at the middle school and see the opportunities that they have with electives and um, the different clubs they can join, but also just knowing that kind of at the end of that journey, they'll be looking at the pathways for high school. But in addition to that, we recently opened our pathway lab at Benfer um, that oh, we wow. received a grant for last year. And so it's exposing our um, younger students to the pathways at an early age. And so they're all able to go in and explore the four different pathways to learn more about STEM, business and industry, the public service and arts and humanities and, and elementary um, school and elementary. So cool. And so they are third through fifth students um, took an interest survey to really find their area of interest. And they're exploring in that direction. Um, our K through two students are getting the opportunity to explore in each of the pathways. And it's really wonderful to hear them say, I think I want to be a software engineer or, you know, I was deciding between this one and this one, but I chose veterinarian. So I'm in the, the public service area. And the fact that they can use that language yeah. and share that out is really just above and beyond even talking about, you know, careers or, oh, this is what I want to be. Now they are getting to connect the skills that they're learning in school. It's incredible. With what may eventually be their pathway and kind of already starting that working in their brain before they go into middle school. So it's been really fun to hear them talk and um, to see them getting to explore that early. Please call me next time you have a pathway conversation with a cute elementary kid because I have to see this in action. We are going to be having a pathway (laughs) celebration um, at the end where the students are going to showcase what they chose for their pathway and what career they really research. So we'll be having that later on in the school year. I'll let you know when it is. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We really appreciate your forever learner presence on social media, but then also just all the things that you contribute to counseling and uh, making sure that you're relationship driven and connected to people. Thank you so much. Anytime I get to talk to a counselor, I'm in content heaven. They are so vital to the success and emotional support of our students each and every day. Megan clearly has a whole child focus with an importance about incorporating counseling, compassion, and character education in our work with students. Life can be stressful for both students and staff, and sometimes a reset is just a thing we all need in a high-stress situation. I hope you walk away with some strategies to apply with your students or a curiosity to dive deeper into helping the emotional side of your students, or for that matter, yourself too. On an unrelated side note, I wanna thank the listeners of our podcast. This podcast has been one of the true joys of my everyday work life because I get to showcase the awesome people in our school district, highlight the positive culture of public education, and talk to new friends about interesting content. But there will be no podcast without our listeners. Well, because that's just called a coffee shop conversation. So thank you for tuning in each month. We really appreciate it. Here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.